Welcome to the Unhooked Podcast, hosted by author, writer, and recovery advocate, Annie Highwater. This is a podcast of real conversations and true stories from those who have been affected by and overcome adversity. Each episode will tell real, raw, sometimes unbelievable stories, opening up the lives of a variety of guests, as well as your host. You will hear stories of despair, recovery, and triumph from people who have risen from or are making their way through wilderness experiences. The goal of the Unhooked podcast is to take a deep, productive look into topics related to addiction, alcoholism, grief, mental and emotional health, family dysfunction, codependency, conflict, and other types of affliction. The good, the bad, the dramatic, the real-life stuff that all of us face. You will hear wisdom and hope from people who are fighters, who fought to persevere through bewildering circumstances and difficult obstacles. You can contact Annie by emailing annieunhooked at gmail.com. And now, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Unhooked Podcast. Just wanted to send a really quick one out this time about a subject that's come up a couple of times in the past few days. It is the phrase, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. And it's kind of an, un, an implied undercurrent concept within dysfunctional families or families that don't have good communication. I saw somebody post on the Addicts Parents United, um, the Brenda Stewart's page, that she had heard a prior podcast on here with my mentor, Joe. We get into that a little bit if you want to go back and listen to that. Or you can always go to the Addicts Parents United pages and there's great support and comfort and information on those pages as well. But I just wanted to touch on them a little bit again. Because after seeing that post, I had one of my clients from work call me and was telling me how he had argued with his sister lately and and they're adults they're older they don't they haven't lived together in decades he's out visiting her um out west and he said conversations have come up probably six times now in the past couple of weeks that have resulted in kind of shouting messages and they've touched on issues of conflict when they were little and mistreatment and misunderstandings and things like that and I was talking about how interesting that is that sometimes when you get together with family members, it can take you back to who you were at five years old or as a teenager or the last time one of them hurt your feelings or pissed you off because family tends to know what buttons to push. A lot of times I've heard they're the ones that installed them so they know right where to go. And if those buttons don't work anymore, they find new ones. And that's just how it is sometimes with families that have a lot of people a lot of conflict, not a lot of communication, a lot of dysfunction. Um, I've heard it said that healthy families communicate, dysfunctional families manipulate. And I would have to say that that is true. And you know, it gets to the point where sometimes we wonder how did we grow up in the same house and end up seeing things so different or handling life so different, having such different personalities or not knowing each other. This um, client of mine that had called me said, it's, it's really odd that my sister and I don't really know each other as people. He said, we never talked. He said, my brother and I never talked. We never talked about anything other than who had homework, what was on the schedule, who, what was for dinner, who took my shirt, things like that. Nobody ever talked about the issues that were going on, most especially the issues that were painful or upsetting. Um, I don't know what exactly causes that. I think it's different for every family. I've always thought and said that our dynamics are the same, but our details definitely vary. In a lot of families, it's pain that's being protected 
you kind of adjust yourself around touching those pain point, sticking point topics that are going to maybe cause an argument or make you feel unsafe, make somebody mad at you, turn the whole group on you, whatever the case may be. We learn this undercurrent rule of don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. And as a result, nothing ever hits the oxygen. We don't really get good at the process of rupture and repair. And that's where things are kind of fall apart or are torn apart and analyzed or conflict hits. But then we have healthy ways of talking it through and repairing it with a resolution in mind or just the resolution of peace and understanding in mind and not just to be nasty and hateful and shoot arrows at each other or to win, but actually to come to a place of solution, even if not every detail is agreed about. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel blocks and prevents all of that. And, you know, I came to understand that occurred in my mom's generation. I I feel like unless a family or a family member found their way into recovery for whatever reason, or worked in that industry, worked in the mental health recovery therapy industry, these conversations weren't frequent or or regular for households to discuss things that were going on, how they felt, how they were perceived, making sure everyone understood and was brought to a place of healing and peace and strength and confidence again to move forward. That rupture and repair process, at least not in a lot of the families I knew or was around, was you know, a live streaming process that went on. And I definitely know that didn't occur in my parents' generation. I had had a lot of conflict and misunderstanding and trauma between my mother and I. Our relationship was very ruptured, never repaired until the past few years. It has come full circle and looks completely different than it ever has. It's healthier than it's ever been. It's not, we don't have conversations that are questioning why this or why not that or why did this happen? Why didn't this get taken care of? Well, you did this or you did. None of that takes place anymore. All of that's been laid on the table or worked through one way or the other, one side or the other. But I went through some years where I resented her and probably had even toxic bitterness and hatred toward her for things I felt like were not fair or were neglected or, um, you know, there were six kids in my home. Not everybody could be tended to at the same time. There was a lot of hustle and bustle and chaos and crisis. I've talked about that in my first book, Unhooked. So I felt like I got lost in the shuffle sometimes or these big, dramatic, traumatizing things would happen and nobody would talk to me about them. Um, You know, like if a grandmother died, I remember everyone whispering when I walked in the room and then going silent. Nobody talked to me about those processes. I was left with very little understanding, very little language at a young age to kind of figure it out on my own. And, you know, kids are egocentric. Whatever's going on, they are their own world, they and their family. So you believe you caused it. It's your fault. Something has to do with you. You're bad. At least that's, you know, where most minds go. So that is what... That is the information that I just took and ran with my entire childhood and informed every part of my personality. And I didn't feel like anybody really ever sat with me and talked to me through things to give me any kind of a grasp or healthy understanding so that I wouldn't be afraid or insecure or self-loathing. And I resented my mother for that. I came to understand years later when I worked through things, um, I came to a more compassionate place to understand that people do the best they can with the tools that they have. And if they don't have it 
or it wasn't given to them for whatever reason, they don't have it to give to you. And it's really, it happens to you personally and it feels personal, it affects you personally, but it's really not that personal. It's that person's trauma. And I always hinge everything on the recovery promise that I've called my helicopter rope, that if one person in a family situation does work to improve, the family situation is bound to get better. I've always latched onto that. No matter who I'm in struggle with, I can only do and say so much to influence the situation, to say my piece, to speak the truth, to try to work it out. But I always got to bring it back to me and do whatever I can to be as healthy as possible, to be as peaceful as possible, to treat myself right, and to not be in high, strong, toxic, chronic conflict. So that said, this don't talk, don't trust, don't feel, it's generational. One of the reasons that I began to develop compassion for my mother was because I didn't understand until I was an adult. I didn't know a lot of the things she dealt with as a child or even in the early years of her marriage. I was the youngest of six kids, so issues that she had with her father, by the time I came along, he was just grandpa. A lot of those things weren't talked about or even occurring anymore. Issues that she had had with my father, they had worked through some of those or left those behind in the ashes and had new issues they were working through. I didn't have an understanding of any of it. I just knew what was happening to me or what wasn't being done for me and how it felt. I didn't really even have language to explain that. But I found out in later years that she had had serious trauma happen in her childhood. There had been an experience where she babysat a neighbor's child and the child ended up dying when she was, I believe, 13 or 14. And it was so traumatic for her. For some reason, the family asked her to dress this baby for the funeral. Um, the baby's death had been a suspicious death involving a family member and that was traumatizing and nobody in her entire family talked to her about it. It was just a matter of this happened, that family moved away, You're gonna, we're going to go to the funeral, and then we're going to have dinner tonight, go to school tomorrow, get up, same routine, over and over and over again, as that trauma hedged itself within her and grew and grew and grew, and then she went on to become a young mother and just stack problems and trauma and pain one after another after another until it was exploding within her by the time she was, I believe, in her 30s. And even still then, she didn't become violent or a criminal or anything like that. Her issues were, in a way, similar to mine. She was more self-destructive or self-loathing and prone to depression and mistakes and you know bad patterns of friendship or feeling so horrible about herself that anybody could treat her anyway or being so fed up that she would explode and make no sense in an argument. All of those fun, dysfunctional things that we do when we are not able to talk, trust, or feel. And that's why it's so important. I've learned in the rooms of recovery and just in the process of my own healing processes that it is the truth that feelings need oxygen in order to dissipate. Feelings need to hit the air to heal. They need to come out. It doesn't mean that they come out to every person you cross paths with or that's all that ever comes out of you in every conversation, but they need to come out in safe, healthy, wise ways until you are able to move through them and to begin finding some semblance of peace and strength and forward thinking again. And that happens when you develop healthy ways and take on new tools of talking and trusting and feeling. And that enables you to go through the processes of rupture and repair in every relationship and friendship, 
the ones that are not able to move into healthy ways, some of them just need to be distanced yourself from. You need to separate from them, leave them in the past, or come back to them later. Whatever it takes for you to be okay. So that said, that's all I've got this time. This was just a short one. It came up. There are um, lots of options. There's books you can order online that are helpful when it comes to these things. You can call um, a therapist, a counselor. You can find healing in the rooms. There is a million options that you can reach out for in order to heal these areas in your life and to begin letting those things hit the air so that you and the people close to you have healthy ways to talk, trust, and feel. So that said, until next time, I wish you all. You have been listening to the Unhook Podcast. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode by the guests belong solely to the guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the host or any affiliated organization or institution. Annie's books, Unhooked and Unbroken, can be found in Amazon, Cokesbury, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold. You can find her work by searching Annie Highwater on Facebook. If you have enjoyed the Unhooked podcast, please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. We hope you'll keep coming back to listen to the Unhooked Podcast.